0: You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Oshin McPartland is a certified athletic trainer from Ireland and is currently working as a personal trainer at Club 360. On this episode, Sam and Oshin discuss the importance of physical activity in the prevention of COVID-related symptoms and mortality. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Tokyo Living podcast. Um, Our guest today is another wonderful member of the Club 360 team, Um, one of our newer members, uh, so much so that uh, when I do see him without his mask on, I'm thinking, who is that guy? Um, Oshin McPartland, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. So uh, perhaps if you can start just by giving listeners a bit of background on yourself uh, academically and and, um, and professionally what you've been up to and uh, what brought you to Japan?
2: Um, yeah, well, obviously born in Ireland, um, studied in Ireland, uh, studied athletic training uh, in Carlo aG which nobody will know other than an Irish person. Um, and then yeah just been traveling around after that lived for maybe a year and a half in England, lived for a year and a half in Dubai, and then moved here. Um, I suppose the main reason we moved here is because my girlfriend is half Japanese, and she wanted to experience living here, and I didn't really have any preference of where to go, so I was happy enough to, to come to Japan and experience it, I suppose. Um, spent the first, like, year teaching English after school, which was not fun. Um, Lots of kids that didn't speak very good English and just wanted to play around, which at like four or five years old is understandable. Pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, happy to get started back into what I really wanted to do, which was, yeah, personal training and like injury rehab, I suppose. So yeah, the opportunity presented itself. So I was pretty happy to get started here.
1: Yeah. And uh, we're certainly uh, happy to have you on the team. Um, and, and now you've reached the absolute pinnacle in your career and uh, found yourself on the, the Tokyo Living podcast. So congratulations.
2: The way your career goes, no, podcasting is the way to go.
1: That's it. Most people jump straight from, um, from Sam Gilbert to Joe Rogan. It's sort of a, a, a career progression. So you've got that to look forward to. Um, so we've got you on the show today to discuss um, uh, mainly sort of exercise as a preventative measure for disease, and in particular uh, respiratory disease and uh, and SARS-CoV-2. Um, and I think this is a really important uh, area and, and topic. Um, I believe that there's, I think there's already been a sort of greater focus on health and wellness um, throughout the pandemic. And I do think uh, this is going to be a, even uh, greater once we sort of come towards the end of the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, I think that um, people are going to view health and, and fitness in a, in a different light than we did before. Um, but I thought would would be good to sort of just go into the science behind this a bit. And uh, I know you've done quite a bit of reading in this space. And so uh, I thought it would be good to get you on and, and pick your brains. Um, yeah. So, yeah, maybe um, if we just sort of start by, by talking about... Uh, um SARS-CoV-2 and and the the symptoms and perhaps even sort of the mortality rates and and how um you know different um uh other disease states um and, and predisposing factors affect that symptomology and mortality
2: uh yeah so i mean i think in the western world um it started exercise started become fashionable um I know when I lived in London uh, during 2012 Olympics, after that, it really kicked off. Everyone was seeming to um, want to start exercising. It was getting a better name for itself, but less likely to be, oh, I don't want to put on weight. I don't want to put on muscle kind of thing. And more like, OK, this is a healthy lifestyle. This, I can look good if I'm exercising kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. In Japan, I don't think that's really got to that level yet, um, especially in the female population. Um, I think there's yeah. still that fear of getting bulky and getting big and looking like a bodybuilder, which is very hard to do. Um,
1: I know it's a funny thing that, uh, you know, some guys that uh, will spend their whole life trying to get big and uh, and trying extremely hard. Um, it's almost uh, <laughs> insulting uh, when people think that they're just going to uh, look at a weight and, and suddenly pack on muscle. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're completely right there.
2: Yeah, wishful thinking. but yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think exercise, especially here, can uh, needs to be um, promoted a lot more. Um, and I think we've seen now with the pandemic that exercise has been shown to be very, very good way of preventing these diseases or even just preventing uh, like the more serious symptoms of um, the viral infections, especially. Uh, respiratory illnesses and um, so I suppose there's a few uh, risk factors that I'm going to go through um, this is not going to be all of them but um, some of the main ones that we can really have a good effect with um, by exercising and by being healthier and just getting into that routine of having a good exercise uh, weekly rec- exercise routine and um, and just getting into a healthy habit and healthy lifestyle. Um, yeah, well, I mean the first one, and probably the one that was uh, coming out with most research early on was obesity. Um,
1: mm.
2: And, they're basically most of the research was saying that uh, BMI over twenty five uh, was of uh, people were experiencing a lot more severe uh, symptoms. Um, there was a study that came out, say 79% of COVID patients that were admitted to critical care had a BMI over 25, and you compare that to people with a BMI under 18.5, and that was only accounting for 9, not 0.6%. So obviously there's a massive, massive difference, um, and you can't really put that down to chance. <laughs> like That's such a big uh, percentage difference yeah. of people suffering a lot more severe symptoms.
1: Mm. And mechanistically, what, what, what do we think that that's a result of?
2: Um, it could be a lot of things like obesity, obviously affects the body in a lot of different ways. Um, like yeah. it's adverse effects on your lungs, on your heart, on like most of your organs. And um, there's a lot that. well, a lot of it with COVID 19, um, and it seems to we have like an adverse reaction with inflammatory cytokines that um, are overproduced and like receive an obesity that it leads to systemic, systemic uh, inflammatory response. So that could have, um, uh, a role in why the people that are overweight are struggling so much, but I think it just affects the whole body and the whole system, um, and it's just a lot more, it puts your organs under a lot more stress as is. And just adding that extra stress of a viral infection, I think is just kind of tips over the edge. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think just being in um, a healthy uh, nutrition wise and exercise wise lifestyle, can just help with so much so much things that it's not just COVID-19 i think it's just become more popular now because of COVID-19 and it's massively affected everyone's life but any viral disease well, most illnesses in general will affect people uh, with a higher bmi more than people in a he- with a healthy lifestyle um yeah. i think it's just COVID-19 has really shone a light on that so hopefully yeah we can get some silver lining out of this and health promotion will be more than just i mean most of the time it's just pharmaceuticals and pushing kind of pills on people and okay do this do this okay rest but now it might be looking more towards okay maybe you need to start getting an exercise routine if you can do that yourself great if you can't then maybe look for some advice look for some help off a professional like if you're sick you go to a doctor if you struggling to get exercise routine if you're struggling to um even just get started you need a little bit of motivation to get started off like it can help out massively just having even just like a cheerleader there um someone to give you advice and then you can take that on yourself um yeah 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 yeah
1: no, I mean I think that uh, you're absolutely right in this sort of being shining the light on on health and wellness and and being sort of a bit of a wake up call. Um, yeah, you know, I think even if uh, we reach a stage where vaccination's been effective, we get sort of this herd immunity uh, to SARS-CoV-2. I, I, most experts agree that it's not going to go away, so it's always going to be there, sort of in the background, like a lot of other uh, diseases that we have in the world, and uh, and so there's always going to be that need to um, uh, to focus on prevention. Um, of COVID, but uh, like you said, other diseases, and I think that yeah, it's uh, it's been a horrible time, but it does sort of shine uh, a light and as a silver lining, um, uh, increases the everyone's um, awareness around health and wellness, and uh, and I think that's a, a really good thing. Um, and yeah, like you said, that the, the there's a lot of things uh, with obesity that may uh, make someone more susceptible to diseases like this. Just like we know that uh, you know people um, with obesity are more likely to have chronic pain because yeah, the the fat itself uh, is uh, an inflammatory driver. It, um, it it drives that inflammation and uh, and just puts more pressure on all the the organs of the body. So um, yeah, and, and uh, like you said, exercise and nutrition are the best things to to address that uh, obesity. And so yeah, we might see. Uh, across the globe that uh, obesity rates you know, at least uh, stop going up would be a good, uh, good first point. But uh, yeah. if you can see that come down, I think that that is, is a great silver lining to this whole thing.
2: I think as well it's cheaper. <laughs> like If you're yeah. trying to go the pharmaceutical route or you're trying to do it some other way, I mean, going out for a job for 30 minutes a day, it's much cheaper than going, buying pills or buying whatever you need to help. Um, But also for governments, I mean, it's in the best interest of governments to promote this kind of healthy lifestyle because it saves money for them too, like saves money on health spending, saves money on everything really. So it makes sense for them to promote that and push that. Um, Yeah, and and it'll be
1: interesting to see if they do. Um, And it'll be interesting to see if they do here in Japan where... um, everything is so slow to change. And uh, it's actually one of the things I sort of talked about with uh, Dr. Nick Rennick on last week's episode is that um, there doesn't seem to be enough. In, in Japan, there seems to be this big push on um, their approach to preventative medicine being, you know, a lot of medical screening, examinations, tests, um, and a lot of those tests being, you know, expensive and also coming with a certain amount of risk. Um, Whereas a uh, you know, promotion of, of healthy lifestyle, activity, uh, exercise, and, and nutrition would, in theory, be a more economical solution to that.
2: Mm. I think one of the big problems now is, like for most countries, the Olympics is a driver for that kind of change. Um, mm. Now in Tokyo, it's probably not going to be seen that way because a lot of people are not really happy that it's going ahead. So you won't see that after effect that you got with the London, the London Olympics of higher. For sure. So I mean, I presume they were trying to use the Olympics to drive that kind of stuff. Usually they use it to drive some kind of policy. So yeah, kind of, uh, a problem now.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a difficult one. It's a, you know, terrible timing, um, for a country like Japan, which really, like you said, really needs uh, an event like the Olympics to drive awareness around, uh, activity and, and fitness. Um, yeah I guess the only hope is that if we have uh, you know success from Japanese athletes um, that that may create a little bit more awareness and and, uh, you know the society and media really capitalize on that.
0: Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health fitness and rehabilitation center offering physiotherapy, osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports, massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukohan and Yokohama, COP360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at COP360.jp or follow us at COP360 Ruppongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show.
2: I suppose moving on to uh, a couple other risk factors. I suppose the main ones like diabetes, uh many of the heart conditions and lung conditions are all mm. can be massively affected by exercise. Um so even diabetes like exercise shown to lower your blood gl- glucose, increases the body's insulin resistance. Um and this just two hours a day of walking, um sorry, two hours a week of walking has been shown to help with that. So even as little as that, like 30 minutes over four days, that's not too much. Um, obviously, the more you do, the, the better correlation there is to, uh, to heart health especially. Um, so people that do two hours a, a week were less likely to develop and die from heart disease than people who don't, and people who exercise four hours a week were even more so. So you can see a strong correlation between exercise and uh, the health benefits that you can get from.
1: Yeah, yeah there was a big study uh in 2019 I, I think it's stamatakis was the author um that looked at uh, activity rates on um uh, and the effect of activity levels on all cause mortality um, related to sitting so you know a lot of our population now are sedentary and um you know it showed that even if you are so even if you're sitting more than eight hours a day um doing a certain amount of exercise uh, can help sort of um, yeah, decrease the risk of, uh, of all-cause mortality associated with that sedentary behaviour. And it, and it shows you know, that the more, I guess that the ideal situation is you, you don't sit that much and you do a ton of physical activity, um, but it's, uh, it's sort of a, a linear progression. You know, the, um, yeah, the more activity you do, uh, the more that sort of offsets the amount that you sit. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you know, we'll probably see more studies coming out showing the mortality of, of uh, COVID patients in relation to, to activity as well.
2: Yeah. I think probably now during the pandemic is working from home, which some people see, as a, some people see it as a bad thing, but for the most part, it's less movement during the day if you're stuck at home. Like you're not walking to the bus or you're not walking to the train. like. Just taking that little bit of activity out of your daily life. Like if you're stuck at home, you're walking from your bed to your kitchen to your desk kind of thing. It's taking Mm -hmm. that little bit of activity out of it. So I think people need to have a structured routine and find some time, just take an hour break, go for a walk outside, something like that
1: yeah but i think that's a key message i think that anecdotally people you know, a lot of people measure their uh, steps on a um a, a smartwatch or smartphone now and uh and everyone's saying you know, i'm taking just taking so many less steps thousands um you know maybe ten thousand less steps a day just by not commuting to work and and being at work and you know going around from meeting to meeting walking around the office just not getting that they're getting out of bed they're uh putting a a nice shirt on leaving their pajama bottoms on and jumping on zoom and then not really moving for 12 hours um so we, you know, you'd, you'd assume that the time demands are relatively similar, so there should be that time to just get out and go for a walk. Now, I, know, I understand that's not the case with everyone. I mean, people at home may have more sort of family obligations that just come into that sort of lifestyle of working from home. But, yeah, I think there really needs to be a push to, to keep people uh, active.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think especially when the kids are at home, it can be difficult. But, I mean, even to trying to get them into a routine of,
1: it's yeah for sure
2: go out for a half an hour an hour walk just as a family even like nowhere to go just go for a walk around kind of i mean it's something to keep the kids um engaged with i suppose keep them off the couch for a bit so yeah. um yeah, yeah trying and, to do it as and, a family, i think is would be a good idea i
1: think it's fantastic yeah family-based activities sort of just increase that that family bonding and uh spending more time together yeah that's fantastic um, you mentioned some of the other diseases. There, um, do we know that they uh, increase the risk of mortality or symptomology with uh, with COVID?
2: Um, well, with the heart conditions, I suppose it's any kind of viral illness uh, just putting more stress yeah. on the heart. I mean, if it's yeah. already not running at full capacity, um, that bit more stretch stress can just be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I suppose, um, especially with heart disease. Um, yeah i think my extra stress on that um can obviously be detrimental um and i suppose covid is affects does affect people so so differently um as we've seen like depends on your uh body weight depends on your body fat kind of thing depends on um if you're a smoker depends on your lifestyle really um so if your heart is already kind of not at full capacity then yeah just that added stress um can cause big problems um yeah i suppose exercise i mean it's nothing new that exercise is good for the heart um and it can help out um so just even not just the heart um like obviously increases the muscle um and makes your heart stronger but even your muscles be able to more efficiently use oxygen. So it takes some of the stress off the heart. You don't have to pump as much blood um, lower heart, heart rate, that kind of thing. So um, there's many ways it can affect it. And um, I mean, yeah, heart is one of the most important things in your body. So you want to take care of it any way you can.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I know just of talking with uh, some of the doctors here, they've definitely, now this is just an, a completely anecdotal, but they have noticed the people that um, have come in, uh, have tested positive to, to COVID and have not really been symptomatic, have generally been more active and in, in, in better shape um and so i definitely and like I'd, I'd, I'd imagine that if we asked a lot of doctors around the world they'd probably have a similar experience so uh, again that's a completely anecdotal but i think there's definitely a link between you know not only mortality which is pro- you know, perhaps the most important thing that we want to look at in terms of prevention but also symptomology i mean if you if you catch uh one of these diseases you just want to be able to shake it off and uh, i think being in, in better physical condition definitely improves your chances of doing that
2: uh, yeah it just gives you a good foundation I suppose and um, to work off like better able to fight it off in the first place so um, yeah I think I mean for most things it is the best way to go um, but yeah uh, even like lung disease as well I mean that is probably the most obvious um, because it is a respiratory illness a respiratory uh, viral infection so the lung disease is really going to to affect it. Um, So if you're smoking, if you've had lung disease prior, um, that's just an added added problem you have to face, I suppose. Yeah, yeah.
1: I guess just moving on a little uh, and changing tone, there has been some talk about uh, potential danger of exercise and in particular high intensity exercise, uh, reducing the, um, the immune system and, and making one more susceptible to, um, uh, to catching uh, diseases such as COVID. Um, what What's sort the of research showing in that space?
2: Um, well, there's a few um, studies that came out. I think there was one in 2020 actually, that came out um, saying, yeah, high intensity interval training should be avoided um, because there's acute uh, negative response to exercise. So your immune system will be um, less effective right after exercise. And that's why they say it should be avoided. Um, Mm. Many of these studies seem to be looking at the open window theory, um, which is that susceptibility to illness after high intensity exercise. Um, there was a study in 2018. It was a Campbell and Turner, and they were trying to kind of debunk this. Um, so they were saying the studies that those that basically started the open window theory in the 80s and 90s had um, flawed met- methodology. So they were saying that basically what those studies did was they used self reported data um, from marathon runners and they had to um, self-report any upper respiratory illnesses. Um, And the fact that they used that um, just self-reported system instead of lab-based testing, it wasn't, Mm. couldn't really be seen to be perfect. And there's a few studies that came out to say that only about 30% of self-reported URTIs can actually be uh, positive on lab testing.
0: it's right, difficult yeah. to
2: base all your base your theory on something with methodology that may not may or may not I mean it could be, but it's very unlikely that um all of those cases of self reported illnesses were correct, or if it was just people that um were maybe feeling something or it wasn't actually what they thought it was. Because yeah. I mean marathon runners, many of they're not most of them aren't going to be medically, um, educated. So maybe they're just have a cough and they think, okay, yeah, that that might be, or they have some kind of symptom, but maybe it's not actually what they think it is. Um, so it's difficult to get the data on self-reported evidence, I think. Yeah. Um, And sorry.
1: No, what I was just going to say is it's uh, a little bit frustrating. Um, when you see, that sort of study being interpreted in that way, because I think it's a, a dangerous sort of thing to, um, to base recommendations off. Cause if you uh, then take those findings and, and say to a, a you know, the wider public uh, you know, high intensity exercise should be invo- avoided um, during a pandemic or, you know, when you're at threat of um, you know, potential uh, infection, yeah, then people will take the opposite tact and say, Oh, well I shouldn't exercise then. And uh, you know, and, what's high intensity exercise? Yeah, most people don't really understand what that even is and that can be interpreted in, in many different ways. I know um, a lot of people come into the gym saying, yeah, I like doing high intensity interval training and uh, that's my my version of high intensity interval training is very different from what uh, a lot of people's is. And so, you know, people might just take those um those findings of a pretty poorly designed study and run with it and say, no, it's dangerous to be active. And, uh, and, and then we're missing out on, you know, potential benefits of specifically related to the condition, but all the other plethora of benefits that come along with activity as well. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's good to try and debunk some of those myths um, where appropriate and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and try and educate people properly.
2: Yeah. Well, as you, You've, everyone has seen it's very easy to find a study to back up what you think. It's just that might be one study yeah. compared to the fifty on the other side. Um,
1: yeah, I, I wrote a whole uh, a whole book with about four hundred and thirty studies just to back up what I think. It's it's extremely easy,
2: <laughs> much
1: easier than you'd think. <laughs> and I wish I was joking. Um, yeah.
2: So basically, what they went on to say um, is the. Better idea is something called a J-shaped curve. Um, so yeah. basically, that means that there is a optimum uh, level of exercise, but you don't want to go into overtraining. I mean, most people are not going to be overtrained unless you're like a professional athlete or you're really pushing yourself every day and just doing a lot of exercise. You're not going to get into an overtrained state um, if mm-hmm. you're. The moderate intensity exercise. So basically, they're saying that it's good up to a point, and then once you go too far, then it'll affect your immune system negatively. But for the most part, it is beneficial and it will increase your immune system's ability to fight off infection. Um. Yeah. to that point that you're going too far. Um, yeah. But it's the same with anything. It's the same if you're just starting it's out exercise. Point. Um, you have to be careful. Like you don 't want to go too hard, but you also don 't want to do nothing, so you have to find that kind of in between um,
1: absolutely yeah i just uh, I, I, it's a completely different topic, but I, I wrote a post about uh, knee pain and running a few months back uh, if you 'd like to have a look, you can check out um, the, the club three sixty socials but um, you know, a lot of people, there's this sort of myth that, that running will ruin your knees. Um, and again, it's sort of that, uh, that J shaped curve that for most people, um, if you're running recreationally, and and recreationally, in in the studies that um, I referred to, is actually everything up to being like an an elite international competitor. Um, your risk of knee osteoarthritis and your risk of, of having a knee replacement is far less than those who are completely sedentary. Uh, and it's only once you start to go into you know comp- highly competitive people um, who are uh, perhaps. Pushing themselves into higher degrees of pain. So if you have, if you sort of overload the knee and then you keep pushing through it, um, then over time that could uh, perhaps contribute to osteoarthritis. But uh, the the most people sort of lay on that curve where it's it's better to do some, um, and uh, rather than yeah, rather than do nothing. And and I think, like you said, it it just applies to a lot of things in in health and and fitness and and just educating people on where that sort of curve lies and and, and where people should be. And, yeah, like you said, most people are not going to be overtraining. And, and, uh, yeah, to make sure that you're not, it's probably uh, wise to seek some advice and seek a professional, um, especially if you're not used to training um, because, you know, with with exercise, we do want to have that that minimal effective dose and um, we want to give people the capacity to, to keep improving their fitness. Fitness over time, so it's important that you have the right dose, but yeah, for most people, um, yeah, the odds of, of being overtrained to the point where uh, you, you, you do have this sort of open window phenomenon, I think, is uh, is very low.
2: Yeah, you know, I think as long as you're taking a gradual approach to a gradual increase, uh, it's fine, just don't go from sitting down to doing 20k in one go, and you should be okay. As long yeah. as you're taking it easy and just gradually building up then I don't think you're going to find any problems.
0: Are you looking for healthy activities for your child this summer? Club 360's Kids Fitness Camp is based on our popular children's fitness programs. Each day, your child will participate in three different classes, such as Fit360, BoxFit, and Yoga Latties, all with a focus on fitness and gross motor development in a safe and fun environment. For more information or to register your child, please contact info at pop 360jp or call 03 6434
1: 9667 for more details. Next thing I want to work, move on to is uh, some mental health. Um, so there's a lot of things about uh, COVID that that can you know, increase or, or anything like that, but the, you know, the whole pandemic that can uh, have an effect on mental health. And, uh, and I did talk to um, Colin Coxall about this, our CBT practitioner uh, way back in episode three. But, um, you know, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern. People aren't able to, you know, travel, especially people living in Tokyo and uh, not able to travel back and, and see loved ones, um, especially if you live in a country like, uh, you know, Australia, uh, where you're having to quarantine for, for two weeks and, and making that, you know, almost unrealistic. Um yeah you know, there's that concern about illness especially if you're uh in an at risk uh population and uh and there's also a lot of financial uh concern you know people losing jobs um you know there's a lot of uh, unease about the economy and and all that can sort of feed into um you know some mental health issues and uh and especially if people have pre-existing mental health uh concerns then it, that it can make all that a lot worse um one of the things that uh, helps a lot with mental health is, is exercise. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that uh, that's probably the next thing that we need to discuss uh, mm. in, in the importance of exercise there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think even just isolation for a lot of people, um, mm. like a lot of people do have that fear to go out and mix. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people in Japan at the moment <laughs> during this Latest state of emergency it hasn't really been too much of a problem. I think most people are out and about, and um, but there are still people that are afraid um, to go out and are working from home. Um, maybe they're single, isolated, and it just makes a big difference. And especially when you, well, when the vaccines do roll out and we're going back to work, um, the anxiety actually going back to the office could be a big thing because it's nearly what a year and a half now that maybe some working from home so just getting back into that work environment could be pretty stressful for people um so there is like some studies i think what 2020 um panchan et al i probably pronounced that wrong i'll ask francesco some stage um (laughs) so there's a systematic review on effective exercise on mental health and it was found to decrease things like depression anxiety uh ptsd symptoms yeah um and just yeah the social aspect of it as well like if you're not um if you're have that fear of going outside and mixing with other people you can still do kind of there's many like online classes that you can do and you still there was a study that found even just that um social interaction online can have a big effect mm. on your mental and um, just talking to someone um getting like because a lot of time you're on your own so you're not talking to anyone all day so just having that interaction with someone even if it is through zoom um can i make a big difference to people for sure for sure
1: yeah the last thing we'll sort of talk about is um post-covid um uh, uh, recovery i guess and uh and the implications of um the, some of the lingering effects of the condition on our, our health and wellness um and there's this term uh, most people have heard of of long COVID. um the and, and what, what 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 does that actually mean what is long, long COVID, and what are some of the implications there
2: um well long COVID is obviously this new term that's come out um But many people are saying that it's not a new thing. Um, So there is something called, I'll have to read this, uh, myalgic eh, encephalomyelitis. Sorry. Um, That has been referred
1: to as ME from from now on. Otherwise, uh, the podcast is going to go for an hour and a half.
2: (laughs) Not saying that again. I can also say chronic fatigue syndrome. That'll be easier. Yeah, exactly. Um, But that's been around for years and people have been suffering from that for years. So what they're saying is, this is basically the same thing. It's a post-viral illness. Um, and it's something that basically the long COVID, um, is when the signs and symptoms of COVID-19, uh, are continue for four weeks or longer. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. it can continue for six months a year. It can keep going. Um, yeah. One of the things is chronic fatigue. Um, through physical and mental uh, tasks so even like you're watching TV you start feeling really tired or you're having to think about something in work and um, you're just struggling after that and it just keeps on um, going after the illness so there at the start with long COVID most of the uh, rehabilitation was looked to like you do it most um, injuries or illnesses, you're just trying to gradually increase um, your ability and your tolerance of exercise. Um, but this was seen to be to have negative effects. Um, so you have to be careful with how much you exercise or how much load you put on yourself, mm-hmm. um, cognitive load and physical load throughout the day, um, because they do see regressions if you push too far. Um, so they're saying this probably affects millions of people worldwide. If you go by the incidence rates of COVID and how many people suffer from long COVID after. Um, so it's a pretty new thing. So they're trying to really get um a, a treatment routine that will work for uh, most people. So your clinical practice guideline type of thing where yeah. we all can kind of be doing the same thing. We're all on the same page and we know how to help these people because initially their response and the treatment plans were not working. And mm. I mean, the, what we all look to do in medical profession is do no harm first. So mm. if treatment program is doing hard, doing harm, then you need to stop and find a different way to go about it. Um, so I think the initial response to it was not great, but mm. it was such a new thing for many people that you're, Kind of going by trial and error first, because there's not much data out there that you can scientifically um, put forward a treatment plan.
1: Yeah, so it's not yeah, there's not no consensus as yet uh, yeah. as to, to how to manage these conditions. I think that um, I have treated uh, yeah, a couple of patients with ME and uh, CFS in the past, and um, and I think that's uh, patients with these conditions. I think. Um, often feel like uh, the, the broader medical profession doesn't quite understand that I guess the irritability of them and I sort of think of it because with most um, general health conditions we would uh, sort of load someone uh, with a sufficient amount of load to get them to adapt and become you know, more fit and, and stronger and um, but, uh, yes, you do have to be a little more careful with the loading with these individuals and be more gradual and and have you know more uh rest built into to programs. I thought of sort of think of it as like a a tendon opposite if you're again talking musculoskeletal terms uh, i don't know why I keep coming back to that maybe I'm interested in musculoskeletal uh conditions um but yeah, comparing it to like a tendinopathy compared to a stress fracture. You know, With a tendon issue, you can load into pain uh, or even at the other end, a muscle issue. You can often, you know, the latest studies have shown if you, you push uh, into a bit of pain with a muscle injury, even acute muscle tear, um, it's likely to uh, respond well and adapt and become stronger. Whereas if you push into a little bit of pain with a stress fracture, uh, it's uh, likely to get worse. They can regress and, and uh, or even just a, a you know, bone stress injury, they can regress to a stress fracture. I think uh, I sort of look at... Um, me and cfs in that sort of way and and i'm by no means an expert but i've um had patients that i've managed for musculoskeletal issues that have actually had these as comorbidities and it it makes it very difficult it makes uh, our job difficult if i'm trying to um get someone stronger to help with their their back pain or their knee pain um but i'm limited by uh you know limitation in uh, in functional capacity and exercise uh, tolerance um makes it pretty hard to actually progress um so i think that uh, yeah if 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 you have had uh covid and um and you feel like you just don't have that same sort of exercise uh, tolerance and you know you, you may be noticing even uh weeks and months after the bout that your um you know, your shortness of breath, breath has increased and things like that i definitely think it's worth uh seeking medical advice because like you said it, it can regress it can um it can get a lot worse, and uh, it can can become, as the term chronic fatigue syndrome um, implies, that it can become a chronic condition and and something that's that's difficult to deal with. Um, so I think that's a really good point. Yeah. We we want to help people recover, and and uh, you know exercise is a great tool. Uh, it is medicine. It's our you know main intervention for for everything we do. Um, but it, the way that we apply exercise interventions to this population may be a little bit different. And uh, and I think that you know, as medical professional, as you said, there's no consensus yet, so we've still got a lot to learn. Um, but I think for the general public, if if you if you are suffering sort of post COVID symptoms. I think it's defi- definitely uh, in your best interests to, um, to seek advice and, and help with that.
2: Yeah, I think it can be pretty frustrating for people. Um, I think similar to like a concussion where the symptoms are lasting a long time, like you don't yeah, think maybe you're not improving, but um, yeah, seeking that professional help, I think is the most important thing just to get um, some confidence in what you can do. I think it can also be frustrating for a lot of people that sometimes it can be misdiagnosed and people think, oh, it's all in your head kind of thing. Like, you're fine. Like, you just need to push in and you're just, Mm. it might be anxiety or something like that. But yeah, just that misdiagnosis can be very frustrating for people as well, I think, when it's not fully understood.
1: Yeah, yeah cool well um i think we have covered a lot in that and uh and covered some really uh important points um is there anything else that uh, that you want to bring up in relation to this at all
2: uh no i think uh that's pretty much all of it um there was i mean a lot of the early um studies that were coming out uh were on uh effect of obesity and high bmi on mm-hmm. uh, COVID, but there was a recent bgsm um, I think came out in two, April twenty twenty one, and it was basically on inactivity and the effects of inactivity. So, they were finding that people that who were consistently inactive were at greatest great greater risk of hospitalisation, admission to ICU, mm-hmm. and death due to COVID nineteen. So, it's not just a high BMI that can be a problem; it's that sedentary lifestyle or the inactivity that can also be a problem. Obviously, they're A lot of that will be correlated, uh, high BMI and low activity levels, but just to have the data that says inactivity alone is uh, one of the big risk factors as well. So, um, yeah, I think exercise definitely just getting out uh, doesn't have to be a lot, but just being able to do something each day can have a big effect on it
1: awesome i think that's a, that's a great message to end on uh make sure you're getting active everyone and uh ocean if, if people want to uh to contact you or, or maybe even book in a session, um, you're, like you said, working at a, a, as a personal trainer at Club 360. You're um, available at both our locations. I think you alternate between uh, both our, our Motobu, Moto Azabu location near Roppongi Hills and our Higashi Azabu location near Tokyo Tower. Um, so people can contact uh, Club 360, uh, info at club360.jp uh, or go to our website, uh, club360.jp, and, um, and you can find Oshin there. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, um, have a a great day. Yeah,
2: you too. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we would love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.